Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight. I also host the podcast Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books, which you can listen to if you need your literary fix fast. This podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight, is for anyone out there who wants to feel better in their bodies like I do. There's a private support group that I started on Instagram at Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight. And all of us share tips, suggestions, recipes, meal ideas, and generally just give each other lots and lots and lots of support so that it isn't so hard to do what should be simple, but somehow isn't. So please listen to the podcast, hear stories from people just like you who have struggled and overcome things and have ideas and suggestions. And let's just do this together. We got this. Thanks for listening. Liv Stratman is the author of Cheat Day. Liv's writing has been featured in the Boston Review, Witness, and the Cincinnati Review. A New York native, she earned an MFA from the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Stratman lives in Brooklyn, where she worked for years at Little Cupcake Bake Shop before becoming part of the original staff at the independent bookstore, Books Are Magic. Welcome, Liv. Thanks so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight to discuss your novel, Cheat Day. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. So as we were just joking about the fact that you could have been on basically any of my podcasts because this book is so applicable for everything from sex to eating to reading. Every women's issue is sort of like, you know, inside of this little tome. So tell listeners of this podcast first what what Cheat Day is about. So they Yeah, can, yeah. for sure. So Cheat Day is a book about a woman named Kit who's in her mid thirties, she doesn't have children. She is married to a really nice guy and she works for her sister in her hometown of Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, which is a very residential neighborhood in Brooklyn. And kind of her life's trajectory for her whole adulthood has been following one diet after another. And so she begins at the beginning of the book to embark on this extremely strict wellness regimen that has to do with specifically with dietary restriction. And she in the course of that, falls into this really passionate affair with this really hot carpenter that her sister has contracted to work, to do work in the bakery where, where Kit is the manager. So it's, you know, it's a book that very much takes on deprivation versus indulgence in, in a bunch of different ways, but very specifically in terms of fidelity and nutrition. So. <laughs> also, <laughs> I- and Fidelity to nutrition, yeah. I was dying to see the- cabinets because the way you describe them, they looked so cool. Do you have like a picture of the cabinets you had in mind, by the way? No, not. I drew them. You did? I did. I draw everything. I draw little cartoons of everything. I don't, I'm actually not in my home. I'm in an Airbnb right now in Cincinnati, Ohio, because I did, it's a whole long story, (laughs) but I, I did, I, you know, I live in Brooklyn and I'm from New York, but I have a lot of family in Cincinnati and I went to college in Cincinnati. So I ended up coming down here to do a live outdoor event that I got to do something live since we awesome. really aren't able to do that right now. Yeah. So I did that last night. My grandmother was born in Cincinnati, by the way. My whole family really? was from Dayton. Yeah. Anyway. I love, I mean, Cincinnati, Southern Ohio in general, I think is extremely underrated. Cincinnati's a great town. So I'm here. So, which unfortunately means I don't, I would, otherwise I'd have them right here and I could show you, but I draw everything and I'm not like a great artist, but I took a class in graduate school with the cartoonist, Linda Berry, who kind of just converted me to the idea that 
drawing would be really productive and helpful. So That's I'll so send those cool. along to you. Yeah. If you want to see well, them. Yeah. I was like, I need those cabinets the way you describe it, <laughs> yeah. which just speaks to how visual a writer you are about basically everything, which is great. Cause I love when books are just so cinematic like that, especially, and, and so funny, cause you combine like this interior monologue that we, I feel like so many of us share about food and dieting, even though it's not a diet, it's a program. And like all the stuff is in here. And yet you paint it like so visually. So you can see her going to the bakery and like, you know, just sitting there working on her papers and like dealing with her in-laws and, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. It's, I definitely owe as much to Nora Ephron as I do, you know, to all of the, the writers that have influenced me from Jane Austen to Lori Moore through the you know, canon of, of women writing in English. And yeah, you and you can totally, I think, see that in my in my work. Let's talk about you and eating for a minute. And yeah. So having cheat day and cheat obviously is in many connotations here with this affair and obviously the cheating on the program and like everything else. What's your relationship with food like? Yeah, it's an obvious there's obviously things there, even, you know, the book's not about me, but there's just no way around it. I obviously have a relationship with food. So I was I was for a long time, a calorie counter. I was, you know, I could, I could tell you if you held up a piece of food, I could tell you how many Weight Watchers points that is. So can I? Yeah, absolutely. I, I've listened to a few episodes and, and was like, this is perfect. <laughs> I, I definitely, I definitely can identify with the, with you and the audience on that. Like I, any, and I, you know, I still pay my Weight Watchers subscription, even though I haven't dieted during the whole pandemic. And I have tried not to do it since the editing cheat day, because cheat day is in so many ways a takedown of that culture and points out the ways in which it becomes insidious and gets out of hand. And it's, and it's really hard to stick to in a healthy way, even though the idea may be a very good idea, right? To just know what you're putting in your body, to be conscious of it. But it's just really hard once you start kind of using math to intuit what you need to eat. And so I've been trying not to do it anymore, but I am such a dieter that if I'm being honest with you, Zibi, like I opened my Weight Watchers app this morning and thought like, okay, on Monday when I'm done with my book tour, I'm going to, I'm going to do it because I just, you know, my, my, my jeans just don't have the elastic I need right now. And I, <laughs> I'm really feeling it. And it's, I was thinking, during the pandemic, I was thinking like, this is so funny. I'm, re- I'm editing this book about how dangerous diet culture can become. And there's this pandemic and it, that feels apocalyptic, right? And I'm essentially still thinking like about how I need to start my diet again. I'm dieting at the end of the world, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> and, you know, and I've tried every diet and I've, and my weight fluctuates by 20 pounds. And yeah, it's a very, it's a very normal story that is also very personal, I think, for everyone who goes through it. So, But this is the whole thing, right? I mean, I was literally thinking about this this morning as I was like, I'm starting again today. Like, today's going to be the day, you know? <laughs> I'm like, it has to be. Here, who should I email about it? Should I tell everybody on Instagram? <laughs> or, or will I abandon this by lunchtime? <laughs> Which is highly possible. <laughs> Diet culture, obviously, is not good. And I think for people, and I don't know exactly how old you are. I'm 44. I'm much older than you, I think. But growing up sort of in that way of like the snack wells and the South Beach and the just like the whole thing, how everyone was always trying something new. And like, that's just like what you did almost. And there was such an emphasis on it. Like, did you try Atkins? Did you, you know, everyone was doing it, right? So it's very hard at this point when it's all about like body positivity and like, don't diet. 
And to then also realize like, well, you know what? I've actually gained weight and I need to lose it because like I cannot get into any of my clothes right now. Like, so what do I do? I don't want to like diet, but what kind of program or lifestyle can I get into where like I can still put on a dress next week? Do you know what I mean? Like, so where do you do? Absolutely. Absolutely. And we like, I am a little bit younger than you. I'm in my late thirties, but it's very much the same era of the, of the snack wells. And though, you know, you want to get all your clothes from wet seal, but wet seals, you know, biggest size is size eight and the magazines, everyone's Kate Moss size and, and dealing with that. And knowing, and knowing intellectually that that's not good, you know, like by the time I was out of college and I'd taken some women's studies classes, I knew how bad that was and how dangerous it could become and how, how, what the serious issues it could lead to, you know, psychologically and physically. But at the same time, I just simply can't afford to buy all new clothes and, my weight does really like fluctuate in that, in that way. And there are times when I'm just not comfortable, you know, I'm not comfortable doing the things that I want to do. Right. Because I've just gotten to that point that feels, you know, a li- like I'm a little too heavy and it's become kind of this thing. Where I'm, I'm afraid to talk about it sometimes because there is a taboo, right? You feel like when you want to lose weight, you're letting everyone down, you know, because we're, we're, we are so, and I think it's a good thing that we are trying to be so much more inclusive about body size. But at the end of the day, like, you know, if I have, if I have five pairs of pants that are my go-to pants and I can't put a single pair on financially, it's not feasible for me to just accept that besides the fact that, you know, sometimes I also don't feel good. I don't feel comfortable. Totally. So how did you take all that and throw that into your character? <laughs> yeah, it's really interesting. So what I did is with my characters and, you know, anyone who knows me and reads the book can see the ways in which it's not an autobiographical book by any means, but can see the ways in which that character's voice, she, I mean, I think she's a lot meaner than I am. I hope <laughs> she's a much, she's a, she's a complicated person, but I very much took kind of a, a worldview and a backstory. There's a backstory where she in college really starts to understand through friends, the way you can gamify your dieting and your, and your kind of control of your body and your weight. And I took that, but I decided to take that to a different extreme where she gets on this really it's, you know, it's a whole 30 esque diet, but I would say it's even more intense than the whole 30 and it's longer. It's substantially longer. It's 75 days. And so she takes that, this diet, which, you know, on the face of it just looks like she's trying to eat ethically, eat, you know, eat well, eat in a way that is good for her, for the earth and for her body. And, but that slowly becomes, you know, I don't want to say that it becomes anorexia necessarily because, the purpose of diagnosing someone with something would be to treat it. And this is a character in a book. However, by the end of the book, she's hardly eating at all. And she's that energy that she's, you know, that she has from kind of the psychological repercussions of that starvation. She's ta- she's taking out in all these unhealthy ways. And so it was kind of me, an experiment in me imagining like, you know, before I start the whole 30, before I start another diet, like let's imagine like this, instead of imagining how well this will go, because I often quit and I'm often disappointed or, you know, don't feel as, you know, I don't feel tiger blood. <laughs> Let me imagine the other way that it can go and that it does for many people. So it was, it was a thought experiment that turned out to be 
I thought like a really engaging plot for me to work with. And I was able to make it really funny. I mean, in my humble opinion. No, I was about to say when you were talking about your character, I was about to jump in and say, and she's really funny. But then I was, then I just, I didn't, but I, I feel that way. I mean, and I felt like I could kind of tell that this must be what you're like not as like a person, like you can't like pretend sometimes in books to be like clever and fun. You know what I mean? Like it has to come from the author. (laughs) Yeah. And I I remember in school, a writing teacher saying like, don't try to write characters that are any smarter or any dumber than you. You know, like your characters are just going to be as smart as you are. And you're going to have to live with that. And you can do all sorts of things with plot and you can do all sorts of things with setting and all of that can be whatever you want it to be. And your characters can be as different from you as you want, but they are never going to be dumber or smarter than you because people won't believe it. That is so And I thought that was really... That's great yeah, advice. True, yeah. Huh. Now I've got to get that advice over to moms don't have time to read books. <laughs> <laughs> My little clip at the beginning. Yeah, totally. Oh, that would be kind of interesting. I wonder if I could figure that out. Here's a clip from our other... Po- Actually, that would be a really cool idea to market all the podcasts... Great tip. <laughs> it's totally. I love that. Hire me, Zibby. I'll be your intern. <laughs> Great. Come on over. <laughs> love it. Awesome. So are you working on another book now? Like what's your story? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I am. And I'm really excited about it. I'm also like so many people who lived through the pandemic in New York City. I'm moving to Long Island next month and I am thrilled to be getting into the suburbs. It is that time in, 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 a, in a city person's life for me. And I already have a sister out there who has the best baby on earth. Aww. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to all the listeners who think their baby is the best. Mine <laughs> is the best baby. And there's just, just please don't email me because like, I will fight with you about it. No, I'm kidding. But I'm obsessed with my nephew and my sister's out there. And so I'm really excited to be moving out there. And to answer your question, the next book is set out in the Long Island suburbs and it's about, it's about a couple and it's similar to Cheat Day. It's, it's got a few elements. It's about a roboticist and a family that's kind of trying to, starting to try and deal with a fertility struggle. And so it's called Vicious Breeds right now. And it's, it's very much about, they lose their dog. So oh. spoiler, but yeah, but it's, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, it's not similar to Cheat Day in the fact that it's a longer story, but it's, a, it's got a lot of that those, those zingers. And and it's very much a story about, you know, the complications of intimacy and domestic life. I love it. So like, what, what is your normal day of food? This is like completely intrusive to ask. Like, what's your go-to day of eating these days? It's a, yeah. So it's a, it's, you know, it changed so much in the pandemic where I was just like, all things are boring and the same. And I, you know, and it's just like, I, I couldn't tell you a thing I ate during the pandemic. Though, of course, I spent the whole time eating. There was nothing else to do. But so, like, right now I'm eating my, like, bald watermelon that I bought. Like, my, you know, bald melon that I bought pre-made at the, at the Kroger, the Cincinnati Kroger. And, you know, I'm starting off with, with fruit. And I usually, this is so, I'm going to be honest. I usually will drink, you know, I'll drink coffee and then I'll drink tea and then I'll drink seltzer and have some fruit or a hard-boiled egg and kind of stave off an actual meal. (laughs) And then in the afternoon is when I make the choice. Am I going to, you know, actually like take the time to cook this chicken and put it on this salad? Or like, am I going to get a bagel? And it's really anyone's guess how the day goes (laughs) from there. And if the day goes toward the bagel, then dinner is, you know, pizza and pasta. And if the day goes toward the salad, then dinner is fish 
and, you know, brown rice and vegetables. And it really, you know, it's, it's that choice, you know, and I, I bet if I could just get it together and start with breakfast, you know, like a lot of nutritionists would tell me that I could probably have, have days that were at least more consistent either way, but I just never have a stomach in the morning. Oh, so I love that because I feel the same way. It's like you set your day off on a course and then you're just like, well, it's, it's, it's out of my control now and forgetting, that like, like yeah. you know, it's, it's not like people are like, no, it's every bite. You can make a new choice, right? Every meal you can start over. And I find that very challenging. Like if I've had a, you know, if I go for ice cream, which I did yesterday, like, meanwhile, I'm wearing my mom's don't have time to lose weight t-shirt and I'm like standing on the street holding an ice cream cone from a truck with like rainbow sprinkles <laughs> dripping all over my hand. And I'm like, oh, this is like too much. This is like, I can't even believe myself right now, but it's like, I'm not going to come home and then like be okay with just a regular healthy dinner. Right. Like I'm obviously going to yeah. have dessert again. No, Which yeah, makes and no it, sense, you know, but it, it makes no sense, but also it makes perfect sense. And then like, and it's kind of like, if I, it's the same as if like, if I get a, you know, if I get like a stain on my shirt, you know what I mean? And it's there, then like that shirt is like an indoor shirt from now on and I can't get rid of it. And it's the same kind of thing where like, if I eat the, you know, 800 calorie bagel with, you know, bacon on it or whatever for lunch, then the idea that like, it's a clean slate by dinner. Yeah. It, it just does. I feels like then, like I've lost the plot. <laughs> you know, like I just—it's totally. a non sequitur at that point yes. for me to try and you know, even even bother cooking, let alone yeah. let alone cooking something that you know is healthy and not going to make me totally lethargic. It's literally like I'm envisioning some sort of like stable with like horses going a certain way, and I've like unlatched like the padlock that puts me down, like going this way. And there's no way I can like corral that horse to now go back into the other padlock with like, you know, the grilled vegetables or whatever. Like I am on that path. I am, I am, that is my course and I can wander around that course, but like, that's where, <laughs> that's exactly. where I'm staying. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yes, I am at a similar place with the, with the wardrobe issues. So I don't know. I started this whole podcast and community when I was, you know, after the pandemic when I was like, okay, let's all lose weight together, you know, and everybody was losing weight. And then I was like, um, I'm not really focused on this right now. <laughs> and then I'm like, well, now I'm not even helping anybody. So I don't know. I'm hoping with the podcast that people feel a little bit less alone in the fact that like, you know what, they're, it's not perfect and it's really hard a lot of the time. And like, you know, cheat days are a thing. I don't even have so many good days. I can have one be a cheat day. My whole week is like a cheat week. I'm like, do I have a good day? You know? Not that we're yeah, supposed to say good and bad, you know, you're not supposed to right, say that anymore, Right, You're not supposed to assign the moral value. And it's really hard to stop doing that when your whole life you've been conditioned to do that. I listen to Food Psych, this anti-diet podcast sometimes with Christy Harrison, and I listen to it and she's a nutritionist and she says all these really affirming things and she's right, right? But it goes back to the beginning of our conversation where she's she's right up until I can't put my pants on. And I had the same situation at the beginning of quarantine. I did yoga every day. I was, I had a plan, but, but the problem was we didn't, at that point, we didn't know that it was going to be over a year yeah. of our lives and that people's children were going to be going to school, going to school, right. In quotation marks on zoom. And then so that, you know, essentially everyone's educating their own children while working their job, while trying to get 
food on the table while trying to listen to their partner talk about the stress of their own job while trying to call their parents and make sure they didn't go anywhere. And it's so then, you know, of course I would have done great if quarantine had been the six weeks I knew I had this stomach for, <laughs> but, you know, after that, well, I just feel like we have to give ourselves a break, you know? I agree. But now the world is coming back to normal and I'm literally yep. like, this will come out soon. But like, as we're talking, it's like right before Memorial Day weekend. And I like flash back to all those like magazines I would have read that were like, beach body summer, let's go. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh dear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't matter how many like memes you see that say like anybody is a beach body. It doesn't, if you don't feel that way, I know. it's true. And, and, and I think we have to have space to honor that even, even if we know that there's an indoctrination that happens, right? I At totally a certain point, agree. Especially if we grew up in the 80s and 90s. Yes. So I totally agree with that. And yeah, you want to feel like that's the other thing. Like you want to feel better in your body. You want to feel like you don't have to like go and, you know, be a bathing suit model, but like, you know, shame doesn't come from what other people say. It can be just like how you feel about how you look, how you run or how it affects your exercise or energy or whatever. And I don't know. Exactly. And I think if I could choose, right, if I could choose to just feel the way the body positivity movement tells me I'm allowed to feel about my body, that is what I would choose. Right. Yeah. But I can't, (laughs) that's, I know in my late thirties that that's, I'm not going to be able to do that. And so it's not realistic for me, even if it is great advice, it's just not for me, you know? So meanwhile, I like when I was in my twenties or whatever, like the idea that like women would sit around in their forties and late thirties still worrying about this would have been like, what, why do they care? Like what, you know, like, isn't this over by then? <laughs> are they not people anymore? Right? Do they count? <laughs> are, you know, I don't think. Are they done being people? Yeah. yeah. Like no one's looking <laughs> at you anyway, mom, you know, why do you care? And it's true. I'm like, why? I mean, I'm just getting so old. Like, why do I even still care? But you know, back to the closet, you know, you got to get dressed. <laughs> and because you're still a person, you, you know what I mean? And it's like, I don't know if I could go back in time and tell myself at 25, like, you're always going to care yeah. about yourself. You know, you're always going to be your own main character and it's only going to get harder <laughs> because of these very ideas. I don't know if I would tell her or not. <laughs> you know? Totally. Yeah. You're going to worry about this forever. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Exactly. And P.S. make sure you don't put your kids, make sure this doesn't happen to your kids. Right. Whatever right. you do. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're going to worry about it forever and it's normal to worry about it forever, but also you're responsible if anyone around you were. Exactly. And you can't say a word about it. No. The other day I was literally like, I'm so good. I don't say a word about my body. And I'm like, meanwhile, I have a podcast and an Instagram account. It's obvious. I'm clearly like, like I write about it all the time. I'm like, who am I fooling? Like, no, I don't look in the mirror and say like, ugh, you look terrible. But like, I mean, it doesn't take a genius. These kids can see right No, and it's just the project that's always in the back, you know, it's yeah. always the project of diet culture is always in the back of your mind, yeah. you know? I know. I used to feel like when I was growing up, like, well, if I had like alcoholism, like I would know where I, I would, that would be a thing. And like, I would know where to go, but like, this is like, I'm consumed, maybe now it is a thing, but like, I'm consumed with food. Like I think about food all the time, but like sugar is everywhere and I'm not going to give it up because that's too black and white. And like, you know, it's like a whole, like, what do you, anyway, you can't get away from it. It's not like I can stop going to bars. Psychological labyrinth. Absolutely. You know, like, and it's, 
and then we have all this information, but we also have our lives to live, which yes. are in con, you know, which are in con, completely run contrary yes. to all this information we have, yeah. you know, and we deserve pleasure, yep. which, you know, totally. is comforting and, and pleasurable. And I think by the end of the book, that's, you know, that's where the character lands. I don't want to spoil anything, but, but she, it's an ambiguous landing, right? Yes. She's not unrealistic about these forces being stronger than her. So true. I know I once like had this therapist and I was like, no, you don't understand. Like, I think I enjoy food more than most people. Like I have such, like, I love it. I I, like create, like I appreciate it. I'm not just like blindly, like I love it. So. (laughs) And if I didn't, then none of this would have, you know what I mean? Like if there's a personality, right. Where like for a person who just really is the eat to live person, then maybe they yeah. don't yeah. deal with this. Yeah. You know, well, lucky us that, well, I'm sweeping you into this. Well, I shouldn't, but like to get such pleasure from anything is great. Absolutely. Absolutely. And community, the community we get from food, I think is really important. Yes. And I, and the book, though the struggle of the book is like really intense and, and kids kind of store, like the trajectory of her own dieting goes, you know, disastrously wrong. The book is very much about how, you know, food is a comfort and food is all about how we gather in love. So, so true. Yeah. So I keep, I keep all these truths in my mind while I also do just have a favorite pair of jeans and I want to look good in them again. I want them to button up. Yeah, totally. Well, I guess I'll just see you on the Weight Watchers app then. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Well, thank you, Liv. Thanks for talking about cheat day. This totally amusing, delightful, thought-provoking, delicious read. (laughs) Thanks so much for having me. It was a lot of fun to talk. All right. Thanks. Have a great day. You too. Bye. Thanks for listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight. Don't forget to follow the private support group at Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight on Instagram. Thanks.